more uncomfortable we can get, the better we're going to expand and grow in every way. And if you're worried about losing a body type that you're keeping, but the only way to keep that body type is through extreme exercise and restriction, that's likely not your body type that is your healthy body type. Welcome to the Apricity Podcast. I am your host, Sion Camille, and before I begin today's episode, I just wanted to apologize for my voice right now. I know I'm a little bit nasally. I am having really bad allergies right now. I'm not really sure what to, what's going on, so I'm getting allergy tested. So bear with me. I'm so excited for today's episode because I'm joined by very special guest, my friend Paige. She's a certified hormone specialist and certified Matt Pilates instructor. After dealing with a health journey of her own, having imbalanced hormones, struggling with autoimmunity, she learned a lot on how to find balance in her body and mind and shares so many helpful tips. She is the epitome of someone who is glowing from the inside out and she's done so much inner work to get to where she's at. And her and I have had very similar paths to healing our hormones and just in general in life. Paige and I actually grew up together in the same hometown she is so passionate about helping others on similar journeys so without further ado let's get into the episode i smiled so much listening back to it so here is Paige. i'd love to know what is your sun moon and rising sagittarius taurus and gemini and do you resonate with any of that i'm a big sagittarius girl yes i don't know too much about the others that's yeah. a new thing that's, yeah, Sion gets me on all of the <laughs> the astrology the stuff. astrology stuff. Do you see me? I see. I think I see all of those in you. The Gemini rising. We're both Gemini risings. Maybe we had to have something in common. We no, have, I know like, too much. In we have too to much in have, common. To not have a common link in there. Not yeah. a lot of people probably know our full background. Yeah. So, Paige and I actually grew up together. Are from the same hometown. And we've had very similar paths in life, but we didn't always know it. It all started, we were on the same soccer team when we were like seven, Mm -hmm. and then we went to the same school. Yeah, in middle school, we were friends, but like not in the same group. Mm -hmm. But I I found texts that I sent to Sion when we were like 12. You just found out you had thyroid problems, and I was like, I do too. And I was like, I know it's hard, other people don't understand it, but I'm here. Like something like that. Because I remember feeling really bad because it is a really complicated thing right when you find out. So yeah, I knew, I always knew we had some similar things going on. But like I said, we were friends but not in the same group. So it's not like we were ever sharing like the details of our lives with each other that much. Right. But you reached out to me, which was (laughs) so sweet. A lot of women don't experience hormone imbalances till later in life. I think it was really crazy that we both were going through this at the same time. And then when I was a sophomore in college, does that sound right? Yeah, fast forward. Yeah, like years and years later. (laughs) Yeah. We're in our 20s. I found Paige's Instagram account, Turmeric and Tequila. I had no idea that we both were running wellness accounts on the side. Neither of us 
told anyone about it. <laughs> they were like little secrets. They were <laughs> little the secrets. Here we are now. Paige has been such a big help in healing my hormones. Yeah, give us some background about you, why you got into hormones, why you got into the wellness space. Yeah, so as mentioned, Sienna and I both started experiencing hormonal issues really young, which is pretty rare. But when I was nine, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. So I started not feeling well just at a really, really young age. And when you have an autoimmune disease, it can affect absolutely everything else and make you more susceptible to experiencing other health problems. So I was struggling with that most of my life. Um, led to lots of GI issues, um, struggle finding balance just with absolutely everything when you're trying to control your health, lost my period, and at the end of the day, it really all came down to hormone health was driving all of the other little health things I was experiencing. So I became really passionate about hormone health once I realized that my hormones, that was kind of driving my gut imbalances my mood imbalances, um, my energy, really at all. So I decided to study hormones, I guess like a year and a half ago. And that's when I became hormone certified. And yeah, now it's been like a year with all of this information. Really, I can say for the first time in my life this past year, I finally feel like I'm like myself in my body again. I think that's what we can kind of talk about today, how you found peace with food, how you found peace with movement, because when you have a hormone imbalance, often you think your body is your enemy. Right. And I think you've done a really beautiful job of allowing your body to be your friend. Thank you. And to work with your body instead of work against your body. <laughs> that did not come easy. And yeah, I feel like actually a lot of people probably don't even realize that they're looking at their body as the enemy, especially when experiencing health problems. But it's so true. Your body's not showing up for you, so it's easy to get mad at it. It's easy to want to control it. But at the end of the day, as with anything in life, people, anything, the more you give it love, the more it's going to show up for you. And I really think I've learned that this year specifically more than ever. As soon as I stopped restricting and trying to control everything and really just letting go allowed my body to be like, thank you. Here is good health in return, <laughs> honestly. You taught me how food plays such a big role with hormones. So I'd love to talk more about just your approach to eating and food and what you've found has worked for you and has worked for clients. I really think it does go down to blood sugar balance. I think there's a lot of people who promote a fully vegan diet for hormone balance. And then I see a lot of people promoting a fully carnivore diet for hormone balance. I see people promoting paleo, but then keto, like all of them contradict. So how could one be right? You know what I mean? I really, I don't like diets for anything in hormone health. And I don't think labeling yourself is good for health in general, but really focusing on blood sugar balance, which is something we were taught so young. I mean, our grandparents talked about it and then it got overlooked for a second, but blood sugar balance is trying to keep your blood sugar stable. And this is something, yeah, I definitely wanted to teach more people about why blood sugar spikes aren't great for you, 
is because it's really, really hard on your adrenal glands and it can spike your cortisol. So when your blood sugar is super shaky, you're raising your cortisol. High cortisol is not great for you in any way, shape, or form. So blood sugar balance is really having protein with every meal, having fiber, and having good fats with your meals. Carbs too, but when you're consuming carbs, having these things with it to slow down the spike. Fiber, as we know, slows things down, so does fat. So that's blood sugar balance. And right when I start working with a client, I tell them that should be their primary focus. Not really what the food is, but pairing it properly. And then when it comes to blood sugar balance, as you know, I have PCOS and I used to struggle with binge eating. And a lot of people don't know that the root of their binge eating is not actually because they don't have self-control. It's because they have imbalanced blood sugar. Right. So I would try to fast. I tried fasting. Right. And I would fast for as long as I could. And, and then that leads to overconsumption yes. later on because your blood sugar is so unstable. Right. And because your body feels so unsupported. To like Those are two things that are both so connected, but both those things, like fasting, that's why I'm just, I'm a firm non-believer in fasting for women, very much passionate about it because I've just seen it cause so much more harm than any piece of good. It's really studied on men, the benefits of it, or very short-term studies on women. Um, but it can lead to so many things. And two things that you just mentioned there is it can lead to really unbalanced blood sugar, which raises your cortisol, which makes you have cravings, which makes you tired, which makes you moody, which makes your body not feel safe. But also fasting makes your body not feel safe in a different way because it feels like it never knows when it's going to have food again. So I need it all right now. And it leads to a lot of overconsumption which makes you lose real hunger signals, real trust in your body. Not a fan. Yeah, that's something I definitely experienced. And as I leaned into eating more consistently, eating every few hours, every four to, is it four to six hours, right? I mean, I even say for a lot of people new on their journey, you need to almost train your body and I don't really think even listening to hunger cues when you have hormone imbalance issues is that smart because when you're when you have high cortisol for a long period of time or you have other hormonal issues, low estrogen, um, if you your body feels like it's in fight or flight, your hunger cues are shut off. So to be like, oh, I'm not hungry, so I'm not going to eat, mm, might not be the best thing because you're just letting your body feel unsafe for even longer. That's really just an inaccurate cue due to high levels of stress in your body. So I like to recommend people who are struggling with their hormones at the beginning to have a small snack every two and a half hours if they're not wanting a full meal, but never going longer than four or five hours without a meal. I'm a big believer in snacking be honest, for stable blood sugar and just to get your body to feel safe again. I love that. That's so helpful. And if someone is listening to this right now and they're curious about how they can maybe start their day off well, yeah. what what's an example of a meal someone 
could have to have happy blood sugar to start the day. Yeah. I mean, okay, something that I talk about a lot too on here is don't have black coffee on an empty stomach. If you are setting your day up for success, a lot of people start their day with coffee. Not that it impacts your blood sugar that much, black coffee, it doesn't. But what it does is the caffeine severely raises your cortisol. It's a very fast spike to your cortisol. And to start your day with high cortisol, which it's already highest in the morning, is setting your day up for a roller coaster of blood sugar issues, um, energy issues, not feeling well. So to start your day, not black coffee, but if you want coffee, I always recommend adding a fat in it like MCT or coconut milk and then collagen for protein. And then for breakfast, think of protein, think of fat, and think of fiber. So I love avocado toast with like an egg or smoked salmon. If you like savory, I love a smoothie bowl and adding protein in it, adding some fat like a nut butter, um, adding fun toppings. Cacao nibs have really great fiber and fat in it. So big fan of cacao nibs. Or even yogurt bowls have great protein. Um, and you can add fiber with fruits and yogurt's cool because it has protein and fat in it. Think of just protein, fat, fiber. The fab three. Which is crazy because that is what we are taught Real when we're fun, young. Right? It's It really is going back to the basics and yeah. reminding yourself to not listen to diet culture no. because I think that health can be a lot more simple than we think it is. It's not necessarily going to Air One every day and no. buying a $40 smoothie that has all these things added into it. It really is just eating foods from the earth, eating for blood sugar balance, and eating intuitively, which, like you said, it does take time to gain that back mm -hmm. once you've been so in a state of fight or flight. Right. And you're so trained by diet culture to think that certain things are bad for you. And so how does someone, I think, navigate knowing what foods they should be avoiding? Yeah when literally we're told to avoid every single food, depending on who you talk to, right? Yeah. Literally, you can talk to, I mean, like I said, all of the diets, quote-unquote diets that are out there, all contradict the other one. Because seriously, paleo is the opposite of keto, which is the opposite of vegan, which is the opposite. I mean, they, none of them have even common links. So it really does go down to what makes you feel best. But... It also takes trial because something that I learned at the beginning of my journey was when I was adding foods back in. I, by the way, I used to be vegan, um, gluten-free, uh, didn't eat beans, low FODMAP. I did it all, right? Um, all at once, too. So what was I eating? Like vegetables. Also, I was miserable <laughs> um, in every way. But when I first started adding foods in, I would have some like GI issues and I was like that means I can't eat that food that means that my body just cannot it's an intolerance I'll never be able to have this again was it that or was it because I was stressed out eating it and worried about what it was going to do to my body 
was it that or was it because I've avoided that food for so long that I didn't have the proper bacteria in my stomach to help break it down? Probably a combo of both of those, not the actual food. So it definitely takes when experimenting with foods, just because it affects your stomach one time doesn't mean it's an intolerance for you at all. Um, there's very much safe foods for me that I will eat, but if I'm home with my family, which is a stressed out place for me, I'm not gonna digest it as well. It wasn't the food, it was the state I was in. So keeping a food journal, I think can be an extremely helpful tool, but keep in mind that just because it didn't feel well once doesn't mean you need to avoid it. Also, if a food is not an intolerance for you, then you likely don't need to just cut it out of your diet just because one blog says that blank might not be great for hormones. It really is so individual because everybody is so different. For me personally, the more I added into my diet, the healthier I became. Um, I still avoid gluten because that is a severe intolerance for me and that's a me specific thing. Do I think that every single person needs to? I don't, not if they digest it well, not if they're eating high quality sourdough, you know? I think that's another thing to mention is the quality really, really does matter as far as what we can digest. Like, like I said, high quality real sourdough can be an extremely beneficial uh, food for us, for our guts, um, if you can digest gluten, you know? If gluten is a food that's okay with you, and yes, it takes trial and error, same thing I think goes for dairy. I avoided dairy for years, but now I can digest really high quality yogurts. Sheep's milk yogurt, raw dairy, raw cheese, um, organic grass-fed yogurts feel amazing on my body. And I don't necessarily think I'm just gonna go and eat random dairy I don't know the, the sourcing from, but it really just goes down to listening to your body and like really feeling what feels good to you. But I know it's hard when there's so much information out there and yeah. they're all saying different things. Yeah, and for me, I I was someone who got so trapped up in the diet culture that I heavily restricted to a point where my body couldn't digest anything. Right. And so I started out with low FODMAP and then I started adding things back in and I found that a lot of the foods that are like health foods that were pushed at us like kale and that I was like eating in massive amounts because I right. thought it was really good for me actually was extremely hard on my digestive system and I ended up cutting it out and then now I'm at a place where I have it in you know small amounts and I'm, I'm very intuitive about how much I'm having, if it's feeling good as I'm eating it, exactly. you know, what my body's asking for. I do think it is really hard to get to that point where you're like, okay, I surrender. I'm ready to add these things back in. I think a lot of people struggle with the bloating and the fear more than anything when adding these things back in. And I think it's kind of funny because I do think we have – a view of health that maybe isn't health, which is, you know, the more veggies we eat, the better. But the truth is, if you have low thyroid, like Sienna and I both have, cruciferous veggies can actually lower thyroid function, which can 
lower your metabolism more, which can lower your energy more, which can make you constipated. Like, so the more veggies, actually not the better for people like us. Um, to be scared of veggies, no. It's all about moderation. It's how you prepare them, whatever. But having massive bowls of veggies every day, which a lot of people do in order to get better health because they think it's going to make them healthier. It's really impairing digestion. It may be lowering thyroid function. If it's not feeling well, if you're not feeling like you're digesting it, you're likely not at the time being. Your digestive fire might be a little bit weak right then. So what are some of your favorite vegetables to eat that maybe are more friendly towards someone who might have poor metabolic health or yeah. is having a hard time digesting? Really big fan of root veggies. I have a sweet potato every single day. Um, same with zucchini. Those were like, especially when I was really struggling with my GI health, I really focused on just those two veggies, to be honest. That's all my stomach could do at the beginning. So if, yeah, you have a hard time digesting, root veggies are great. Squashes, acorn squash, butternut squash. And then I really do love veggies. Like, I love broccoli. I'm not going to be scared of it just because some say it's not great for your thyroid. Raw, raw broccoli is not great for your thyroid, and we know that, and that's been studied. So when I do want broccoli, I steam it really well. I cook it well, very soft. Um, same with any cruciferous green, even. And then as far as, like, lettuce greens that are easy for digestion, butter lettuce should be the easiest to digest. And then arugula is really cool because it's a bitter, so it kind of stimulates more enzymes on your own when you're eating it. So that can also help with digestion. Yes, this is, and I'm someone who can account for all of the stuff she's saying. Yes. It's I'm the exact same way, um, which I th that's what I think is so special about when you and I talk is I, I, I genuinely know what you're saying and I, know, I, I, feel I, be the same. I believe in what you're saying I'm like yes and then the bitters like let's talk yeah, about yeah. let's talk about how it affects the liver like yeah, <laughs> yeah let's talk about I actually think that is really interesting the connection between the liver and your hormones and the importance of having things that are bitter yeah really important because bitter foods can really help support our liver and our liver is what not only detoxes excess hormones like estrogen, which is estrogen dominance is a very common problem. Um, so your liver is the first place it goes through to clean out excess estrogen. So you need a healthy liver, but also um, toxins that we're exposed to in everyday life, which it's impossible to live a toxin-free life just now. Like we know that. But when we walk into a store and there's fragrance I mean, any type of toxin that we're exposed to, it goes through our liver to clean that out. Um, alcohol, that goes through our liver. Any type of toxin. So we really want to keep that, that liver strong because it really is this like cleanser for us. Do we need all these detox supplements when we have a liver? Not necessarily, but we do need to do anything we can to make our liver really strong. And yeah, bitter foods like arugula, like dandelion greens... Um, milk thistle can really support the liver. I mean, you know all this. Yeah. You no, say I, your favorites. <laughs> yeah, let's share our favorites. Yeah. Uh, for me, I actually have a tincture, which is it's liver support. And obviously, I support my liver by eating mostly whole foods and making sure I am having those bitter greens. But 
as someone who struggles with hormone imbalance, I am also would like to go out and drink with friends yeah. and enjoy my life. Yeah. I do take those extra steps to support my liver. So I love dandelion. I have dandelion tea every single day. It has changed my skin. My skin cleared up once I started doing that. Um, I also, my tincture, I was just, I mentioned, it has uh, burdock, ginger, milk thistle, and dandelion. And when I need extra support, I'll have some of that. I honestly think most people can use extra support just from the state that we live in, the way the world is. We're exposed to so many toxins every day, molds, chemicals, I mean everything, chemicals in our plastic water bottles, and I don't think supporting our liver is going to do us any harm (laughs) at all. So yeah, I think, what, what tincture, is it the Organic Olivia? No, I love Organic Olivia. I like she's like one of my yeah no I want to try her products I've never tried any of them but I got it when I was in Portland which I I honestly just need to move to Portland it's it's like me if I was a city yeah yeah and there's a place called Wildish Botanicals there I love that it's a like herb shop but they have everything you can imagine like there's tea lining loose leaf tea lining the wall you can make your own Oh, there's a place in LA actually. It's very similar, but it's it's not on the level of this place that I went to. Like they had like smokable stuff. Like you couldn't even imagine this place. Wow. It was so cool. But um, you can order online from them. It's Wildish oh. Botanicals. I think it's just a Portland local business. I'm not sure. I think it is though. Um, but yeah, that's those are my favorites. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, mine is arugula, and then big fan of apple cider vinegar. Um, really big fan. I just do a tiny bit in my lemon water in the morning. Oh, lemon too. And then I always put it on my salads. Also, vinegar is really cool, not only because it supports your liver, but it can really help stabilize blood sugar. So adding vinegar to your diet, daily routines, whatever can benefit you in more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's vinegar crazy. is cool. I actually didn't even know that, but I use herb I did every morning. I used to put apple cider vinegar in my water. And when you add the lemon, it does taste good. Cinnamon mm-hmm. helps it yeah, too. Yeah, even a little honey. Honey, yeah, a little bit. But I used to put that in my water every morning because I would get bloated when I would drink water. And when I did that, I stopped getting bloated. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's awesome. I'm a fan of apple cider vinegar. Add it to your salads, your water, and see how you feel like a week later. I but don't do the will. shots because... They're so bad. Yeah, you, you, there's no reason you need to drink it like, straight. No reason. <laughs> Cole used to work for this guy who was like obsessed with wellness, his old boss. Uh-huh. And when Cole first started working there, he would force him to do an apple cider vinegar shot with him every morning. <laughs> that's like an initiation. It is. And it's I, like I thought, I was thinking that's like worse than when guys are in a frat. And they go through, <laughs> they go through a thing yeah. where they have to drink all the time. I was like, that's like on the same level. That's on very much the same level. No need to drink raw apple cider vinegar. No. Makes a good mixer. <laughs> really quickly, we can do a speed round of just your favorite hormone-supporting foods. Sweet potato, salmon, avocado, arugula, ground flaxseed, and store it in your fridge. Are you going to say yours? I can say some of mine, yeah. Oh, and 
seaweed. Love that. Okay, yeah, those are like all ones I definitely love. I love that you included seaweed because <laughs> iodine is so important so for thyroid. Kelp noodles is one of mine. I love to like make really weird kelp noodle creations. <laughs> Anything you are. I always, yeah. I, I'm always eating You're my them. kelp inspo. Yeah. <laughs> kelp. Yeah, I'm kelp girl. That should be my, <laughs> that should be my new nickname. I love that. Um, but yeah, kelp is amazing and it's really fun to like throw into like soups and all that type of stuff. Salmon. I also was vegan for a very long time and omega-3s are so important for our hormones and salmon is just such a great source of that. Chia seeds is one of them. But I think you really, you like got all my favorites. I think we definitely are always on the same wavelength. We really are on the same wavelength. You, I think, have almost started a movement of people who go outside for 20 minutes in the morning. And why is that important? It's really important. My favorite time of day is the morning and getting out. I'm just really passionate about why you should get out in the sun within like, I mean, really as close to waking as possible for so many reasons. I really do think we should be waking with the sun as much as possible, going down with the sun. I know that's not necessarily realistic for a lot of people, but getting in your sun helps balance your circadian rhythm, which is going to help your sleep that night. We all know how important sleep is for hormone health, gut health, health in general. It also can really help boost serotonin. It really, it makes you feel happy because your happy chemicals are boosted like by going in the sun and bare skin exposure, like before putting on sunscreen, anything like that, it's fine for a few minutes, but it really, really, really boosts your mood. I honestly think it helps my digestion that day. Like I'm more regular if I get my sun in the morning. In the morning, if I don't go out in the sun, I definitely notice a difference in my mood. Also, vitamin D is so important for our hormones. So important. The most important. Vitamin D is a hormone, which a lot of people don't know. And it's a building block for all our others. And most people are deficient in it. And most people are deficient in (laughs) it. Yeah. So we're lucky that we live in California. Very lucky. Where it is easy to get a lot of sun. I'm obsessed with that, and I always think of you every time I get my 20 minutes in the morning. I, like, hear your voice in my head. (laughs) I'm doing my job. Yeah, you are doing your job. (laughs) And then let's talk about digestion, because I do think that is – metabolic health is such an aspect of hormone health. It is. So if someone is struggling right now with poor digestion, what are your – what are some tips you can give them? It's going to be so individual – But the first thing is, like, how are your bowel movements? Are you pooping every single day? Because if you're not pooping every single day, you 100% need to be pooping every single day. What your poop is says a lot about you. You need to be having a good, well-formed bowel movement every day. And that's a good indicator of health. If you're not pooping, a few things I really love. um, Magnesium oxide, magnesium citrate, really can help constipation a ton. Um, an herb called triphala. I usually tell people to take magnesium citrate with triphala, two of each before bed. They will go in the morning, non-habit forming, not painful. That's my little miracle go-to. I also really love my girl wellness, um, the you go girl blend. That is like insane. A good, insane. So 
people struggling with constipation, that those little changes, just taking those right before bed, almost guarantee a bowel movement in the morning, which is setting your day up for success. Because yeah, you also poop out excess hormones. Like you need to be pooping out any type of toxin in you, right? Um, so if you're not pooping, it's all staying in you and that's not great. So anyways, those herbs, those supplements to make sure you're going every day, really warm lemon water and apple cider vinegar first thing in the morning can really help because it can help. We need stomach acid to break food down. And a lot of times people with acid reflux think they have too much stomach acid, but really it's from too little stomach acid. Yes. Supporting that by adding more good bitters and acids to your diet, like a little bit of apple cider vinegar, lemon throughout your day or before protein foods, like a little bit, um, like a little tonic right before can really help you digest better because it is those natural acids in our body that breaks food down. If you're really struggling with digestion, digestive enzymes can be really beneficial. Not drinking cold water with food, not drinking water in general with food because that dilutes your own digestive enzymes, but a little bit of like kind of hot water with food sipping on it can actually do the opposite and help. It's the little small little fixes and changes and tricks that make huge differences like yes you know yes a hundred percent and I had really bad acid reflux at one point I remember that and I went to the doctor of course because I I couldn't eat anything and and my anxiety was insane and like worst anxiety they told me to go on acid blockers and I remember texting you and telling you what was going on And I was like, I'm on acid blockers. I can't really digest any of my food. I would have to take Tums every single time I ate, which is so bad for you. Yeah. And you told me about this. (laughs) And I went off of them. I listened to what you told me to do. (laughs) As I always do. I always listen to Paige. I honestly think that she needs to take a commission from, like... (laughs) It's my existence. (laughs) She's such a good friend. But I texted her and she was the one who was like, you know, maybe you don't have enough stomach acid. Mm -hmm. And that was the case. So I think it really is these little changes that make all the difference in how you feel. and, And also just consistency and trust and trial and error just seeing what works for you and it's going to change every season that's actually something my acupuncturist just told me you know every season just because one thing is working for you right now or it's not working for you right now doesn't mean that next season it's going to be the same you know you might all of a sudden be able to digest this one food that wasn't working for you that well and not the one food that made you feel so good might not make you feel so good like the body is changing every single day but really every single season and really leaning into that you know you didn't just find your superfood for life you know whatever it might be that one food that makes you except feel salmon. good except, <laughs> except salmon except even that I go through phases it's funny yeah. you know my body like, I just don't want it yeah yeah it's it's a crazy thing and I think it's really never getting too set on your routine because I think really getting set on your routine can be cause almost more harm than good sometimes 
so much stress. Mm-hmm. And I think this is actually a really good chance for us to talk about stress, talk about acupuncture, yeah. because I am someone who has benefited so much from acupuncture with healing my hormones, and I know you have too. Me as well, yeah. And let's just talk about stress in general, because I think that you can eat all the right foods, right. you can move in the right way, you can get eight hours of sleep, you can do, you can journal every morning, say your affirmations, but if you are not lowering your stress, you're not going to feel better. Yeah, and stress, it's the number one thing that causes period loss, or what causes period loss, it's stress on your body, that can be from stress of over-exercise, under-eating, um, a life-changing event, but stress in general is how people lose their periods. It also is what puts your body in fight or flight, and when you're in that, you're not in rest and digest, meaning your stomach is not digesting. So like most issues that people come to me with, it's really stemming from stress. And okay, yes, I journal at night and I do yoga three times a week. Okay, but also this crazy world that we live in and just the way life is now, we need to be doing more than that. Joy is so important in this whole process. So it's like, yes, you are going to yoga three times a week, but do you, do you like going to yoga? Do you enjoy it? Do, do you, you feel- actually enjoy the workout you're doing? Do you? When was the last time you saw your friends? Do your friends make you feel good? Like, there's there really is so many components, and so many I think components. that's what could be like incredibly frustrating too. I also think you have to just be okay with you might not be perfect in every area. Yeah. For me personally, I think that I'll be really strong in a certain area. Like, let's say I've been really good about spending time with friends and going to acupuncture, lowering my stress, making sure I'm sleeping, but then all that time that I've been putting into that, maybe I haven't been making as many meals at home. Mm-hmm. And and it's just being okay with that too. Like being okay that you maybe can't find that. There is no perfect balance. And perfect does not exist because perfect is, like perfect is such a weird thing because you can be exercising perfect, which if you think that is six times a week, right? And doing high intensity, whatever you think is perfect, eating only at home, perfectly quote unquote clean meals, so many veggies, which you think are perfect, whatever. But when you're doing that, you're not seeing friends. Like just like what you just said, is that perfect diet and perfect exercise regimen perfect if you're saying no to dinners with friends because you don't know the ingredients in the food or because you have to skip your one workout or now because you're not, is that perfect? No. And striving for perfect is going to get you so far from true contentment. Happiness. True happiness and just being present, I think, actually. Striving for perfect is going to get you the furthest from the present moment. Yeah, and I think we live in a goal-oriented culture. We do. But not a practice-slash-process oriented culture which it's this is something I'm really trying to lean into in my life right now is 
not having not having goals <laughs> it's actually not like, but like not focusing on the end like no for me right now I am trying to grow my yoga practice again and I really would like to be able to do the splits but I'm just focusing on getting like one inch closer to the ground you know the I next time that. like it's it's not the end it's it's the everyday so I know like for my mental health yoga is incredibly important it's a spiritual practice for me and and just allowing myself to enjoy the process and I think that balancing your hormones is the same thing it's a process it's enjoying the wins like the little wins of anything you're so right because this could be taken anywhere yeah with your practice with a job with life with friendships with relationships but when it goes down to your health we do get so focused on I'm going to get my period back or I'm going to clear my skin or I'm going to feel a healthy weight or whatever it might be. And only will you be happy once you hit that. But what about when you're balancing your hormones? Oh, wait, I have more energy. Oh, wait, I'm pooping every day. Oh, wait, I actually feel present with my friends because I feel energized. Just because you haven't gotten to the end thing yet, you can't miss out on all those little things that get you there. That's such a good point. The small wins. It's the small wins. It's about the little steps. It's not an end thing. Because even when you get there, there's no getting there ever in anything. You know, there's always going to be the next thing. I I love this idea of small wins. When was the last time you had a small win in your life? A small win for me that I just had yesterday was I canceled a workout class that I already signed up for and paid for. In the past, have I ever done that? No. But my body was really, really craving a walk. My energy was a little slower just because of where I'm at in my cycle right now. And I was about to be, I was starting to be hard on myself because I did pay for the class and I already signed up and I was hard on myself for a second about like, you need to work out today. And I quickly was able to shut off all that noise and go on my walk in the sun. And it was the best thing I could have done for my body and my mental health. And that's a win because I would have never done that in the past. Yeah. What about you? I noticed that my hair is growing more. It was really exciting because I lost a lot of my hair with my weight loss and my hormone issues and all that stuff. And my hair growth has been the slowest thing out of everything. I got my period back before I, you know, all, all this stuff came before my hair growth. So I noticed that my hair was like a little bit thicker in the back the other that. day. And I was just like, and it's not a huge difference. Like no one would notice it. But like I, I can feel it when I like yeah. touch my hair. And I'm like, okay, that's right. That's why I'm nourishing myself. That's why I'm okay with weighing more than that perfect number I used to always tell myself on the scale. And it's it really is like small moments like that where you feel so lit up. I think sometimes we obsess over self-improvement instead of self-love yeah and you practice self-love which is beautiful thank you it is what you just said though we live in a world that strives for being productive every single second but really the best thing for a lot of probably people listening to this specific podcast rest is productive and can be way more productive than yeah, any type of exercise, any type of perfect meal, any type of that girl routine, 
it like rest is productive and being okay with that when we see so much on the media of like people going 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 it's not the best for our bodies all the time yeah especially when you're struggling so you went to acupuncture today I did and let's talk about acupuncture and its benefits yeah (laughs) and hormones (laughs) yes acupuncture is the most magical thing to me it really I think is magic um it's something that when someone does say they've lost their period before and should I go on birth control I lost my period before going on birth control before trying anything else I really recommend people going to acupuncture and it's cool because it's so highly accessible um there's really acupuncturists everywhere a lot of insurances most insurances cover it there are certain points that can really help you get your period back or regulate the length of it help with digestion help with energy it's a little miracle but also chinese medicine is really crazy as well and overlooked when i got my period back i was only getting my period for like one to two days it was so incredibly light so i started going to acupuncture my period became a lot more regular and it was consistent like every month i noticed that the blood was bright red which is what you want to strive for Mm -hmm. my cramps dissipated i don't go to acupuncture consistently now i probably go i would say like once a month maybe which is really all you need Initially, when I first started going, I would go, like, once a week because I, I really needed, like, there, there was a lot of things to clean up, mm-hmm. <laughs> my stress including. That was one of the biggest ones is my anxiety was out of control. I noticed that I was feeling so much better when my period, it would sneak up on me. Now it sneaks up on me. I have no idea what I'm, like, I cycle I track, that. of course, but... It, it always right. kind of shocks me because I don't get this extreme PMS symptoms anymore prior. And I I do get the bloating and my skin does break out. I'm human. Right. But it's insane. I went from someone who has PCOS and had these super heavy periods, really bad cramps and couldn't get out of bed and nausea and fatigue and all that stuff to someone who's like, I'm on my period right now, actually. No way. Yeah. And she's just this bundle of... I'm just like, I feel great. Like, I I really do. Like, I... And I do allow it to be a season of my life where I slow down. I live in alignment with my cycle. I think that's something that little girls need to be taught. It needs to be taught in health class. Yes. All these things are so overlooked. And that, on top of... Like, obviously, yes, I've struggled with these hormone issues. But to me, it's so important that women in general just have access to this information because there's so much period shame hormone shame we all as a collective experience these things especially now in a world with so many toxins and birth control being shoved at us and our hormones are more out of control than right now than ever and so i'm so passionate about this and i love that I have you here with me because I know you're so passionate about yeah. it. But yeah, going going back to, I, I went on a tangent. I got really excited. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> going back to, yeah, Paige has turned me on to acupuncture. If you're someone who is struggling with libido, yeah. fertility, um, yes. all of those things, 
going to acupuncture, even I think women who are pregnant often yeah. go for the health of the baby. Yeah. And I think that's a first step that anyone, if they're having a gut imbalance, hormone imbalance, go to acupuncture. While you're doing everything else and trying everything else, at least be doing that. Like, There's definitely people probably listening that are starting to question if they have a hormone imbalance. Yeah. <laughs> or they're just not sure. What are some signs that someone might have a hormone imbalance? Yeah. It can really present itself in so many ways. But having low energy, having slow digestion, having skin breakouts, having no or low libido... Um, lack of motivation, lack of drive, missing period, um, a period that it comes too often. <laughs> like you said, how you not have like bright red blood when you bleed, having a good healthy blood when you do bleed. And then PMS, although it's common, doesn't necessarily mean it should be that normal. Depending on how hardcore your PMS symptoms are, if they're really not manageable, if you feel like you need to take the day off of work because you're PMSing, you probably have hormone imbalance. Right. You can be a whole host of different things. That's so helpful. What are some tests they can ask their doctor to go to? Because often people will go to a general practitioner yeah. and the doctor just tests the thyroid. And You can ask a gynecologist, you can have a regular doctor run these tests, but to know where your estrogen and progesterone are at is absolutely vital because a lot of people do have estrogen dominance just because of the toxins we're exposed to in this world. And by supporting your liver, doing different things, it can be pretty easy to help lower that load, but you wouldn't know until you test it. So I would say doing a basic panel with estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, T3, T4, reverse T3, which are like some thyroid ones, really are just so basic that any doctor should be able to test that. Oh, and then also your cortisol. Do the test first thing in the morning and see what your cortisol is like in the morning. Because if your cortisol is high, maybe taking an adrenal supplement could benefit you in so many ways. So those would be the most basic tests that literally any doctor can run, but then you're working with information about yourself rather than guessing, Right, which I'm a big fan of. I got my period every two weeks. Yeah. So the first thing the doctor did, he put me on birth control. Right. What are some recommendations you might have for someone who they go to see their doctor, their doctor, maybe they're on birth control right now, but they can feel that it's the band-aid of what's going on, or they maybe have been recommended to go on birth control, but they're not quite sure if they're the right candidate. What would you recommend for them? You really need to be your own advocate. That is something that I hope everyone can just like learn to be, especially starting at a young age. Because as you get older, you're going to just probably be seeing more doctors in your lifetime. And really being your own advocate in the health world is vital. But I've never been on birth control, yet I've been told probably about 10 times that I should go on it. Um, And so really just saying to your doctor you want to explore other options first, your doctor's not going to care. And I really, my first thing would be go to acupuncture, make these lifestyle changes, start balancing your blood sugar, lower your stress load, get out in the sun, take an adrenal supplement, eat frequently, eat nourishing, and try all these things. And then you can reevaluate your next step. But I would really, really recommend giving all these other things a try first 
just because it's your body getting back into balance. Rather than putting a band-aid on something, you're eventually going to have to take off and then you'll just go through it all again, you know? When it comes to birth control, since we just mentioned that, do you have a form of birth control that you recommend? I really think protection and paying attention to where you are in your cycle can just be key, easiest, non-crazy birth control there is out there, right? right? So those are the two that I recommend and I personally would follow. Just being aware with where you're at in your cycle, using it as a guide rather than something to be super stressed about. Someone's probably listening and they're like, what are you talking about like with in your cycle? And let's talk about living in alignment with your cycle. Yeah. I think what a lot of people, like when they think of their period, they think, oh, it's just my period. It's just when I bleed. But no, we have cycles and it does start with your bleed. When you bleed, that's day one of your cycle. So it starts with your menstrual phase and then it goes to your follicular phase. Then you ovulate and then it goes to your luteal phase. And during each phase, we have different shifts in our energy just because during certain phases, like the beginning of the luteal, our estrogen drops. When our estrogen drops, so does our energy. You know, and then there's certain ones when it raises, like during ovulation, you are gonna have more energy. And that's really because you have a lot more hormones in your body and your body's mega producing these hormones. So it's really just an interesting piece to know and be aware of. And you can kind of live in alignment with your cycle because you can be aware of, hey, I'm ovulating, number one, that means I need to use protection. Um, But number two, I'm gonna have a lot more energy this week than I might next week. So this is a good time to kind of do things that require more energy, whether it's a workout, whether it's making plans that require energy or working on a project, being aware that the next week at the beginning of your luteal phase, you're going to have this drop in your hormones and you might not have as much energy to take a soul cycle class or plan that presentation that you have next month that you should have maybe done next week. So like I said, it's just really good information to be aware of. And then it's also great to give your body grace because I know when I am fatigued, I can get really hard on myself. What am I doing wrong? Did I not eat enough? Did I eat too many this? Maybe it's just because my hormones are low because my body is preparing to bleed in a few days, you know? So it's also just really, it can make you really grateful of everything your body's doing and aware so well said and it's so important to note that like we live in a culture that is built for men's body men's hormones are on a 24 24 hour cycle knowing that and knowing if you schedule yourself for that 6 a.m hit class yeah it was not created for a female's body no it was created for a men's body when their testosterone spikes in the morning yep and we run on an entirely different cycle. So I think educating yourself on the different phases of your cycle and what foods to incorporate during that time, what movement can help you during that time. I personally am someone who I work out in accordance with my cycle and I'm intuitive about it because sometimes I'll be on my period and I'll be like, but I want to go for a run today and I'll do it. Right. You know, because... That's the key. It is the key. It's it's not being so, like, you know, attached to these things. But also, like, 
learning about your cycle and how you can live in alignment with it is so powerful. A book I really love is Woman Code by Alyssa Beattie. Yes. She's incredible. The book is incredible. It's pretty much everything I feel like you have to know yeah. about it, it will majorly teach you about each cycle and different supportive things you can do during each. And again, at the end of the day, using it as information and yes. not being so attached to it. Yes. Because at the end of the day, there are a lot of things out of our control. Like, just because you're bleeding, what if something comes up and you need to work like have something that day you can't schedule everything so perfectly but it is so great to just really yeah use it as information for you to just better support your body it's a book that people should read it is and it's but also I do want to say like I've recommended it before and people have been like well what about the hormone reset diet that she recommends people do I personally don't like restriction in any form no, with food. Me neither. I think it's really as like if you're like I need to like eat to reset my hormones, I really think it's as simple as like eating whole foods. It's you don't have to go out and buy all these things and and she also has a really great app which yes, I, use, I use it. The flow app. Yes. To track my cycle and to you can even like log your symptoms in it and it's, it's kind of cool. therapeutic. Yeah. I like it. I'm like, I am in a bad mood today. <laughs> like, thanks for validating me. <laughs> I know. The flow app is how I track my cycle. It's yeah. really easy. And let's talk about movement because I know you recently have been on a movement journey yeah. with just how you work out and your relationship to exercise. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. I've been – I was one who used to – exercise every single day, maybe take one day off, um, high intensity, weights, walking 10 to 13,000 steps every single day, thinking it was the best thing I could do for my body until I lost my period. And when I lost my period, I really was explained well by a doctor I really respect about how when you don't have your period, that is a sign that your body is not in good health. A healthy period is a sign of good health, and meaning that there was a root cause of something that took that away. And yes, different things can go into play, like Hashimoto's, like environmental toxins. But for me, a big part seemed like I was had just way too much stress on my plate. Yes, a lot of things went into it, but one big one was I was putting way too much physical stress on my body. Exercise movement is great. Intense exercise has gotten so hyped up, but why has so many girls our age lost their period? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I really do believe that a lot of girls are exercising, thinking that they're getting better health from it, but they're really doing their body worse. And it's really hard, as you know, when you're not feeling when you want to control anything and the only things you really can control are food and how you move your body it's hard to surrender and trust the body that didn't show up for you in the past but the best thing for me was I number one I deleted my step counter app (laughs) I didn't need to know how many steps I was taking I was just gonna walk to feel good and walking makes me feel phenomenal 
and I do walk a lot. Um, but I started walking and I stopped the intense uh, cardio and high intensity movements for the time I was getting my period back, like pretty much completely. Um, and really just focused on Pilates, yoga, walking, slow movement, when my body felt like it. If there was ever a day I was extremely fatigued, no, I'm not going to do a Pilates class that day. Once my cycle balanced itself out and I got my period back, I've been able to add things in when it feels good. But during that break without it, I realized that my body didn't need as much as I thought. And so I'm very grateful for everything it taught me because that was no life to live. Of the yeah. extreme, it, it really just raised my cortisol way too much. It ruined my mood. It took my period away. I had awful digestion doing such intense exercise every day. So now I really do low intensity movement most days um, and with walking. And if there's ever a day I feel like I wanna do something intense, I'm gonna listen to my body. But that's more of the, the rare occasion, to be honest. My body craves, craves the low intensity stuff. And yeah. seasons change, like I said, but. And you never know, like maybe it'll be different one day. Fully. It's, it's not, nothing's black and white. Nothing's black and white. But ever. <laughs> nothing is black and white ever. I do think that exercise, we know that exercise is a stress on the body. Right. And we can do it in a way that supports our body or in a way that makes our body feel more stressed. And so just being, making smart choices when we're exercising. Because yeah. movement, huge fan of it. Totally. I am someone who over-exercised like crazy. That is why I lost my period. And I was really into cycling. I love cycling. I do. It's, it's like my, for my mental health, nothing gives me happy chemicals in my brain so much better after I cycle. But I wasn't getting my period and I had no libido. And I was like, okay, something is obviously out of balance. But you would would look at me and say, oh, she looks really healthy. Right. And that is why walking away from the aesthetic and listening to your body and how it's making you feel is so important. How you're truly feeling. I think it can be hard because you can have something that you really love and does make you feel good in some ways. Like for me, like cycling did make me feel really good. And... I just had to cut back on it. I had to incorporate Pilates and walking and yoga instead. And I do cycle still now because I, I've got my period back, you know, got my libido back. It's crazy because my body just doesn't crave it the way it used to. Mm-hmm. It really does. I cycle like once every few weeks when I'm like, oh, my moon's feeling a little low today. I need to, right. or I don't know, or I have too much energy. I need to like get yeah. it out. And it doesn't mean that you're not getting a really hard workout in. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that at all. It can actually, I mean, really, it can lower your cortisol, which is going to support your metabolism. Like, you are going to metabolize better if you can lower your stress load down. And you can get a great workout in while lowering your stress load. And that's going to support your metabolism and your thyroid, and your hormones. Thing is, I think so many people are fearful of 
gaining weight if they stop this intense way of exercising. But with what I've seen, not only with myself, but a lot of people who have gone on a similar journey is switching to low impact and low intensity workouts actually can help your body lose weight because it's feeling safer. It doesn't need to hold on to the water and the salt and the calories that it once was. You'd be really surprised when you start showing your body love and supporting it, how it wants to do the same for you. I think a lot of it is pulling yourself out of your old paradigm of thinking and moving past what you have been telling yourself is working for your body. That is for me in my journey. It is calling myself out on my own bullshit. Yeah has been the biggest game changer. You know, like, we all do it. A lot of people have it with calorie counting. You count the calories because you're like, I have to, and it's what keeps me safe. But it's stepping outside of the things that make you feel safe Yeah. sometimes is what's best for you. And being uncomfortable is actually really powerful and can help you grow so more much. than any. You cannot grow in your comfort zone. Not at all. Getting uncomfortable. There is nothing that is waiting for you in comfort. The only way to get better is to get out of comfort. It's so hard. It is so hard. But the more uncomfortable we can get, the better we're going to expand and grow in every way. And if you're worried about losing a body type that you're keeping, but the only way to keep that body type is through extreme exercise and restriction, that's likely not your body type that is your healthy body type and that's something to just start to just think on and let it sink in is that we have an equilibrium and with our weight that our body wants us to be is where the health lies that's so true I I think that is so hard to do Mm -hmm. it's so hard to surrender and just not know because the truth is like a lot of people have been so wrapped in diet culture for years that they don't even know what their healthy weight and healthy self looks like. Right. For me, I I truly believe I'm still on that journey of figuring out exactly, not even figuring out, but just surrendering and letting my healthy self, like, show herself to me. Yeah. When you're doing things, is it out of self-love? always asking yourself is this out of self-love is this kind to myself with food with movement obviously this episode is about hormones but it's really true that the internal creates the external yes Paige is incredible with all her tips she's bringing to us but like she's so right in what she says with the biggest component in this process is surrender yeah and acceptance it's so hard and it is a journey and Look at the next steps, celebrate the little wins, whether it's energy, whether it's mood, whether it's feeling good, whether it's going, having a great bathroom, like trip. like, I don't know, I celebrate that. Yeah. Anytime I poop in the morning, I'm like, love you body, like, thank you. But it really is getting back to the trust of your body and it is a long, it is a long journey, but it is so worth it and just being in it is amazing. Yeah. I know that for you, a lot of the controlling in the beginning came from that place of wanting to feel better. What was the moment where you just decided to surrender? Or what was a moment that comes to your mind where you had to kind of just say, okay, I'm ready to stop controlling? 
two totally different ones, but they happened near each other. One was I was missing out on absolutely every experience with friends. I said no to a best friend's birthday party because it was during the time of my yoga class that I usually go to. Um, I wasn't able to go out with them later either because there was no food I could eat at the restaurant. Um, physically, I, I probably couldn't. Like, my digestion was so out of whack at the time. But I remember lying in bed that night, and I was like, that wasn't good. What happened today? That wasn't good. And then when I realized, like, a week later, I looked at my period app, and I realized it had been seven months without my period, and I thought it had only been, like, one or two. And I was like, this really isn't good either. Like, clearly something needs to be done and I a doctor I really really loved and respected for for months telling me to reincorporate meat and to try the lower intensity and he gave me all the tools but it finally it took those two things for me to be like okay I'm gonna try these tools out within just a few months of using the tools from his toolbox and studying things myself and trial and error I was like it felt good and I was like, I don't want to get back to that. That's powerful. And I don't think, like, when I look back at it, I'm like, that was such a dark time. But when I was in it, I didn't realize it was dark. And I think that's something that a lot of people aren't going to, like, don't realize until you're out of it. I didn't even know it was possible to feel better. Mm-hmm. I thought this was the only way to be. Right. Until I got uncomfortable, until I tried new things, and I feel better. And you can always feel better. Yeah. Like, I feel like when people get so stuck in it, they don't realize it. They think that's the best it's going to get. A lot of the actions I would take that were out of restriction, they made me feel a little bit better, but they didn't make me feel good, mm-hmm. which there, there is a huge difference. And I do think when you have a health problem and you're someone who does, to some extent, have to be really mindful with the choices you make and you know, how you spend your time, what you put in your body, like, that is where our need for control comes from. It's Mm -hmm. that we're out of control and our bodies to an extent. Part of that is realizing that when you choose to be kind to yourself and take care of your body, truly take care of your body, not, you know, restrict to get to a certain weight or whatever, you will feel good in a way that you never did prior when you maybe felt better yeah like or when you were working to feel better yeah I think that all the time like back then I didn't even know what it was like to feel good physically or mentally yeah and the only way to get there is through exposure but through different exposure therapy techniques is how I got to where I was yeah I had to expose myself to foods I had to expose myself to a day skipping of class to see like I was okay Not only was I okay, but I actually felt better. You know what I mean? So that's a first step of when you finally surrender, then you need to start exposing. On Instagram, Paige asked you guys to ask her questions about all things hormones. And we've picked out a few. The first one asked, what do you think about sugar alcohols? If you guys don't know what sugar alcohols are, yeah, it's like monk fruit, stevia. Yeah. Often these are sweeteners that we are told are healthier. 
than yeah. like actual sugar. So what do you think about that? I personally I'm not the biggest fan of sugar alcohols at all. Um, a lot of people do say they're better for blood sugar balance. However, I find the opposite. Our body doesn't recognize it. It's a chemical. They can cause a lot of GI issues and gas, honestly. Um, I'd rather have people sweeten with honey that has great enzymes, maple syrup, date syrup. Have it with some fat and protein. Cool. It's going to stabilize it more. Yeah. It's not the what, it's the how. That is so I true. Like that. Yeah, I that love that. I it's not that. the what, it is the how. That is yeah. with everything. That's so beautifully said. Okay. Drinking and hormones. Like, I mean, as we know, alcohol is a toxin. It puts a burden on our liver, which is a crucial part of our body for our hormones. But if having drinks with your friends causes you to have a good time and to be a little less stressed and to have fun and to live, I don't think it needs to be taken out. Again, it's not the what, it's the how. And then the next day, supporting your liver a little extra. Bitter greens, um, a glutathione supplement maybe here or there. Doing other things you can to nourish your gut and liver when you're drinking. But if it brings you joy, that's actually beneficial for your health. So, Do you have an amount that you usually tell if like a client's like how many drinks should I be having per week? What would you say to them? Um, I mean, truthfully, we know that alcohol can be inflammatory for the gut. I mean, I personally think between one and three drinks a week seems pretty reasonable that's just also because I don't drink a ton but I think starting out with that and seeing how you feel with that amount of drinks um per week not like per day per every day a week like it would be interesting to see how you feel but again body weight gender that all plays a part is caffeine bad for your hormones another it's not the what it's the how is caffeine first thing in the morning when your cortisol is already high the best thing to have alone, uh, not at all is that good for you. But to have it with a meal when it is going to be, or with breakfast or after breakfast, when the spike of the caffeine is going to be slowed down and you enjoy your coffee, don't worry about it. If you enjoy it, just make sure you're consuming it with a fat that's going to slow the caffeine spike down. So like I said, that's either with a breakfast, a balanced breakfast. If you need it, need it alone. Add some coconut milk or MCT oil to it, and that's going to help the spike. Love Thank that. you. Yeah, love that. Thank <laughs> you so much for coming today on the podcast. I had so, so much fun with you. We could and, go on for like five more hours. And yeah, where can people find you? Yes, my Instagram is turmeric.and.tequila, and my TikTok is Paige Lindgren. Definitely follow Paige. She is so helpful. She has so many amazing tips. She also just always brings a smile to my face. I hope you have a beautiful day, night, wherever you are. Love your friend Sion and Paige.